0: Well, good morning, and as we um, have worship this morning on Ascension Sunday and the Memorial Day weekend, we are continuing in our Grow sermon series. We've been looking and talking and considering about what it means as an individual and as a community to grow in our faith, to grow in our understanding, to grow as a community, and to grow the kingdom of God in the world. We've considered all kinds of things about being in this community, a part of this community, belonging to this community, how we enter this community through baptism and the sacraments and and how we express the sacrament and grace of God through the Lord's Supper, communion, how that table, our table, it's not really our table, but it's God's table and all are welcome to receive God's grace. We consider what it means once we're a part of that community. How do we, how do we live together? How do we, how do we get along even when we don't agree? And we, we talked about John Wesley's three rules to do no harm. First and foremost, just don't do any harm. And then do all the good we can and to stay in love with God. These simple rules are quite simple. They're just not that easy. And if we find ourselves living in such a community, we find ourselves in in this social faith, this social religion, because we understand that there is no social religion that is. There is no, sorry, (laughs) it's like telling a bad joke or a joke wrong. There is no religion that is true that is not social. That we are in this together. That this is a communal, a corporate thing. It's always been about the community. And it still is. For John Wesley, he understood that. And he found ways for the community to live together, for this faith to grow together. And then as we, as we continue to have to make decisions together, he, he brought in these four legs of a table that we can lay our decisions upon, our reflections upon of, of Scripture. That's first and foremost is Scripture. What do the Scriptures tell us? And, and what does our tradition tell us of, uh, throughout the, the 2,000 years of church history? What does our tradition tell us? And then what is our what is our reason? How can we reason through this against scripture, against tradition, and also against our own experience and the experiences of the community? How do all of these, these four these this quadrilateral of decision making? How does it inform us? How does it lead us forward to continue to follow the Spirit of God? into the world as a community that's what this is all about and as we as we as we move forward from there we want to talk today about grace because we know that none of this is even possible without grace our faith is not possible without grace the grace of God and we've had this incredible story a very familiar story to to most of us about the conversion of Saul or the 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 call of Paul. However, we want to look at this, this is a this is a pivotal point in the book of Acts. This is a pivotal point in the history of the church. Things changed from here on out. From this from this point on, we're beginning to look and focus in on Paul. But who was he? Well we we first meet Paul in chapter seven of acts. In chapter 7, we find that Stephen is being martyred for being a follower of Jesus Christ for proclaiming the good news, the gospel, and saying that Jesus Christ is the son of God, is the Messiah. And the leaders in Jerusalem will hear none of it. And they drag him outside and they stone him to death. As he's being stoned to death, he lifts up his voice in prayer. And his final words is, Lord, forgive them of this sin. And present at that stoning was a man named Saul. Saul who people laid their cloaks at his feet because he approved. He may or may not have thrown a stone, but he approved. And he went about the, the Judea and Palestine, finding all the believers he could. And in this passage, we find that he has gone back to Jerusalem to the chief priests and asked for letters that he may go to Damascus and gather up and round up all the believers of of Jesus Christ and bind them and bring them. But we know that he has a collision along the way and life changes for him. The world changes at this collision. See, Paul collided headlong into the grace of God. He'd been given glimpses of the grace all along. He had seen the invitation from God all along. He had seen the grace of God all along. He saw it in Stephen. He heard it. Forgive them of the sin. Who knows how many prayers he heard, how many encounters with God's grace he found as he gathered up and bound all these Christians, men and women. We're not told. But he encounters the grace of God, a grace that went well before him, before he knew who real God was, who Jesus was. Before he had that understanding, certainly before he had that faith, the grace of God was going before him. And on that road to Damascus, his life changed dramatically as he repented from being a persecutor to becoming a perse- persecuted. He was a follower of Christ. And he grew in his faith. He grew in his understanding. And he grew strong as a proclaimer of the gospel. I want us to think about his story, this journey. It's a journey of grace. I want us to think about, well, I want you, if you will, just get comfortable. Just settle in. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I just want you to close your eyes and be comfortable. I want you to go on a journey with me, if you will. I wanna invite you to travel with me back in time to a different place. You're traveling, you're in a car. You might be a young child. For me, I'm a young boy curled up in the back seat. We finally arrive and it's, we're here. We're at our destination. It felt like 30 years, but really it was 30 minutes. When we step out of the car, the humidity and the heat feels like a warm, heavy, wet blanket. The smell of the marsh drifts and hangs over the whole of creation. But like an umbrella, an enormous oak tree casts its shade over the yard. The house under the shade of that tree is neither large nor impressive. But it's welcoming with a short pathway that leads to two concrete steps and a shaded front porch. The porch is enclosed with a metal screen that wraps and protects four gray rocking chairs. Opening the black screen door step onto the painted glossy gray floor. A set of antlers guards the front door of the house and the ceiling fan stirs the air. This is my first sight of the house. It's not a grand spectacle, but it's rather charming and simple and definitely inviting in its own way, a way that Southerners can truly appreciate. We appreciate the shade, the coolness, the breeze, the protection from gnats and gnosum, mosquitoes. It's the welcome shade of the porch, the protection of the screen, the easy pathway and shady entrance and invites us to walk and to stay for a while. It's here on the front porch we hear a word of invitation, a voice of welcome, the comfort of familiar voices sharing a laugh and stirring our imaginations with countless stories of wonder, adventure, love, and loss. These are human stories with hints of the divine. Here we stand at the entrance of the porch and talk. We can enter the porch and rock in the rocking chairs. We can feel invited. We feel welcomed. And we feel that sense of belonging that we so desire. On that front porch, on those gray Gray painted floors, I stand looking at the antlers next to the front door. The door is wood with three diamond shaped windows cut into the top. The welcome mat on the floor is a little worn but still legible, it reads, welcome. The door is a barrier. It separates the world out there from the world in there. This threshold divides the space in two outside and inside. When the door shuts, you have to be on one of the two spaces, inside or outside the house. The welcome we experience outside is only enhanced when the door opens. We fling the door open and find the rush of air-conditioned air. Like it's been bottled up for far too long. Then we smell the food from the kitchen. It's fried chicken and peas and mashed potatoes, fried green tomatoes and fried okra chocolate layer cake and coffee. The aromas are overwhelming and beg us to come in. We hear people in the back talking and laughing. Dishes, pots, and pans are clinging and clanking and clinking as the preparations are finished and the table is being set. It sounds like home, but here I stand at the threshold of the door wanting to just a taste, just to be a part of what is happening of what will happen. Then we hear it. We hear the invitation, come on in. Come into the cool, take a load off and let me get you something to drink. How about a glass of tea? I'm welcomed into the house just as if I live there. It's here inside the living room, the kitchen at the table where we begin to make sense of the conversations, the laughter, the noises, the smells. Because our physical and spiritual senses are wide awake now. And we want to soak in as much as possible. It is here, inside these interior rooms, we begin to learn the stories. We begin to grow as a part of this house, as a part of these people. We begin to feel set apart from the world out there beyond the front door and off the front porch. It's this journey It's this kind of journey that allows us to imagine God's grace. The front porch is like God's provenient grace that urges us and invites us to talk with God, to greet God, to recognize God, to desire God. That front door, that threshold is God's justifying grace where we find forgiveness, where we find that we belong Where there is an inside and an outside. And we desire the inside. And when we walk across that threshold and we walk into the living room. And whether we sit in the lounge chair or on the sofa. Or maybe we walk back to the kitchen and sit at the table. We find ourselves hearing and learning the stories. Understanding more of the faith of the people. Of God's grace. God's love, God's forgiveness, all of our senses are wide awake. It's God's sanctifying grace growing within us, working with us to make us more perfectly human, to love as God loves us. That's the journey that Paul made. Certainly, Paul ran across, saw from a distance, and even near, maybe even approached the porch of Provenient grace. Certainly he heard the word of welcome, the invitation from Stephen as he prayed, as he preached, and countless other Christians who did the same. But it was on the road to Damascus, He couldn't avoid the porch any longer, God's pervenient grace any longer, that grace that goes before us, that meets us at every corner, every intersection, every collision. We find God's grace going before us, loving kindness at every point, urging us, welcoming us, inviting us, drawing us to God's self. Crossing that threshold to the front door, we find ourselves belonging, forgiven. Just as Paul did when he got past the question of, who are you, Lord? But when he obeyed the Lord and stood up and went on to Damascus, not for his mission, but for Christ's calling. That's justifying grace. That's Paul crossing over that threshold to be forgiven, to find repentance, and to answer Christ's call in his life. And then when Ananias comes in that room and lays his hands on his eyes and and those scales fall away and he can see, and he spends days with Ananias and the other disciples learning and growing in his faith, Perfecting his love. Becoming more perfectly human. That's Paul at the dinner table. That's Paul in the living room. That's Paul in these inner rooms experiencing God's sanctifying grace. That same grace is available to all of us. It urges us, nudges us, invites us to walk through the front door find ourselves belonging with God and belonging with the community of faith and to grow in the community of faith to become more perfectly human, more perfectly loving, just as God created us. It's a powerful thing, God's grace. We sing about it. We just sing about it. And it is amazing for once we were all blind and now we all see. It's because of grace that we can gather here and worship God. It's because of grace that we can gather here and worship God even when we don't always agree. It's because of grace that we can gather here and praise God even when we don't fully understand, because we're becoming. We are a people who understand that we are becoming more perfectly human. And I thank God for this amazing grace that goes before me and goes before you. And in God's loving kindness meets us and forgives us justifies us and welcomes us to give us belonging that we may grow with him and with one another I thank god for for people like paul who step onto the porch for people like ananias who come alongside and share a table and grow with people like paul people like me people like us I thank God for you, the church of Ashland Place, this congregation, this community of faith that continues to find ways to grow, to experience God's grace, continues to become more perfectly human, more perfectly loving, more perfectly Ashland Place. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.